Well, good morning, everybody. I said, good morning, everybody. <laughs> All right. It is good to see you guys. Welcome to New Life Church, where, we're, where we aim to make Jesus the center of our life, our church, and our community. And it's a privilege and an honor to be before you today and to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here on this Sunday. Today is Heart for the House Sunday, uh, where we... Uh, take moments uh, to, throughout this day. We're going to celebrate some things of, of last year. We're going to look ahead and press into what God has before us for this year. And uh, so it, it's going to be a special, special day as it has been already. Uh, we're concluded our 14 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, many, of, many of you, myself included, it's good that that's over with. Um, there's, I, don't, I don't like fasting. Uh, I'm just going to tell you that. I might, have, I might have said that when we started this thing. Anytime the Lord says fast, I'm like, really? Because my flesh doesn't like to give up stuff, right? Anybody else just looking forward to the day? I just love to give things up. I just like giving things up. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't like doing that sometimes. My flesh wants to crave things, right? And, um, and whether whatever, sugar to, you know, things that, that uh, I need to just like, I, just, I could probably live without that, you know? And, uh, but anyways, that's over with. But here's the, here's the spiritual implication of prayer and fasting. We didn't teach on this this year. Often we'll do this, but I want to encourage you in this. When Jesus talks about that in, in Matthew 6, about prayer, about fasting, he talks about giving and all those things. This is not part of the message today. It's just a side scoop. He says when you do these things. And I just want to encourage you in this, that even though we might have started and ended a 14-day time of prayer and fasting, let's be the kind of disciples, the kind of believers, the kind of followers of Christ that will live a fasted life. That's really what he's getting at. We can pick a day, a time to fast things and have a time frame attached to it, which is good because we can. Be, that's being intentional. But really what the Spirit of God's getting at in that is to live a life of fasting in the sense that we live a life devoted to Christ. Amen. So I want to just encourage you in that, that God will probably speak to us throughout the year uh, to lay some things aside, to lay some things down, that it's not a one and done. Sometimes we have to go through stages of surrender to Christ. Uh, And so anyway, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2 is going to be our text today. We're going to look at the last seven verses of that chapter, starting in verse 41. It says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. Everybody say 3,000. All the believers devoted themselves, say all, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy 
and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray over this word today. God, thank you for this message. Thank you for the word of life. Today, as we get into it, let this message speak to each one of us. Let it challenge us. Let it change us. Let it do what it's intended to do in our hearts and our lives. We choose, Lord, to surrender. We choose, God, to open our hearts and lives to you now. Fill our life. Consume our life. Lead and guide our life according to your will and your ways. Fill my mouth, I ask, and my heart with your word to encourage your people to bring honor to you in Jesus' name. Everyone can say amen. Amen. These first, or excuse me, these final seven verses of this chapter are packed with so much potential that literally changes the course of life. This early church, just getting started, yet started with such momentum, started with such power. You could definitely say this church was definitely not stuck. They had forward progress going for them. They were moving and forging ahead with full steam and said God was adding to the church every single day those who were being saved. Man, I would... Love for that to happen. Anybody else have a heart that wants to see people come to Christ? Anybody? Nobody in this church wants to see anybody come to Jesus. Then what are we doing here, right? Come on, I want to see, come on, think about that, that coworker of yours that just drives you crazy. Think about whomever. Not going to point fingers or name names, but think about it. Whoever in our life, man, to come to Christ. Every day this was happening. This church, God's church, was definitely not stuck. I want to start today and talk to you about the theme of this year that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for me personally, for us as a congregation, and that is the theme of living unstuck. We all get stuck in life. Some of us have been stuck in the mud, our vehicles. Some of us have been stuck outside of our house. We forgot the key or someone locked it and didn't tell us. And that, I don't know if that ever happens to you. Some of us have been locked out of our car and stuck. We all get stuck. We, physically, our relationships can get stuck. Um, our careers can get stuck. Our, the status of our life, we can get stuck. Spiritually, we can get stuck. We, we try to press into the Lord, and, but we hit a wall. We, it plateaus. Mentally, emotionally, we can get stuck and we find ourselves in the cycle of repeating thoughts and repeating habits and repeating actions and things happen. We get stuck in life. But God has put before us an open door. I believe this is a year of a door that God is opening for his people, for those who are willing to walk through it. He can open it, but we have to be willing to walk through it. In Revelation 3, John sees a vision, and there's these seven letters he writes, and in one of the letters, I believe it's to the church in Philadelphia, he sees an open door. God says, I have before you an open door that I have opened, and no man can close. 
that I believe there is a door to our life that God is opening up this year that no man can open and no man can close, but it's only a door that God himself opens and holds open for us. And to the uh, Corinthian believers, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, I see before me a wide open door for opportunity ahead. I believe there's a door that God has opened for us this year, a door of great opportunity, a, great, a door of great opportunity that leads to purpose in him, that leads to fulfillment in him, that leads to surrender in him, that leads to sacrifice in him, but it leads to a life that is mobile and moving in the ways and the will of God for their life. And John also sees a vision in, John, uh, in Revelation 4, sees a vision of heaven, and he says it looks like a wide open door to heaven, a door wide open in relationship and connecting with God. I believe God is opening a door for us this year that shows us that he truly desires relationship, that he truly desires communion. Not a fickle and fading thing that we call Christianity, but a true endeavor of passion and pursuit and involvement and engagement and a walking hand-to-hand, side-to-side with God like Adam and Eve did in the garden. I believe God is wanting to show himself so strong, show, show, show himself so real to his people this year that a relationship with him does not look anything like a lot of people might think it looks like. But it is personal, and it is real, and it is life-changing. To the kind of relationship with Him that your heart almost skips a beat when you're in His presence. That that your, your blood pulsates through your veins because you become so alive and so enthralled with who God is and how much He loves you and how much He longs to walk with you and be involved in every part of your life. But he opens the door, but we have to be willing to walk through that door. This church, this early church, I believe the secret to it living and being unstuck was found in the habits that they formed early on. And that's what I want to get into today in living a life in a year of being unstuck and not being stuck. We have to be willing to form and maintain some healthy spiritual habits. Proverbs 5.21 tells us that God observes all of the habits that we have. All of them. He sees every single habit you and I have. And to the Philippian believers, Paul writes it this way in Philippians 2. He says, work out your own salvation with much fear and trembling. Eugene Peterson, the translator for the message version of the Bible writes it this way. He says, simply keep doing what you've been doing from the beginning. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Don't mess with it. In other words, what is happening, what has been started in the beginning will sustain you and will help you maintain. We're going to look at the beginning of this church here, the beginning of the book of Acts when the church started And we see that they maintained five habits that led to them living a life that was unstuck. How many of you, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. I guess it's more of a rhetorical question, but we don't want to live stuck this year. Don't want to live stuck physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Don't want to have the same cycles of repeat, the same cycles of 
things that come around in our life that tend to drag us down and drag us backwards and tend to take us uh, into isolation and separation and doubt and fear and anxiety and all these things that tend to happen. But man, I want to live a life that is spiritually charged, that has faith, that is relationally charged with God and has the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life. I want to live a life that's not stuck. I mean, I want to be a, I want to be a part of a, of a church like this right here where it's happening all the time. Where man, where God is adding to his church. God is moving in the lives of his people. And we see the relational aspect of the church strong and healthy and vibrant, full of life, full of enthusiasm, full of excitement, full of passion, full of faithfulness, full of obedience, full of all the things that are good and necessary for the church to be alive. Living a life that's unstuck. But we have to be willing to walk through the door and maintain the habits that empower us to live that way. So let's look at the beginning of this church. These seven verses outline, some, I, I, drew, I drew out five habits. Number one, they had the habit of prayer. They had the habit of prayer. The word pray or prayer is mentioned throughout Scripture over 400 times. It's pretty important. Prayer, our lifeline, communication to God. In fact, the church was birthed out of a prayer meeting. There was about 120 of them praying and waiting on, the, on what God had next. And boom, the church started. Jesus teaches on prayer. Look at it in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray in verse 5, when you pray. In other words, there's this expectation in Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. There is an expectation when you pray that his disciples are actually going to pray. They're going to take the time to pray. And in verse 6, it says, when you pray, go away. By yourself, shut the door. Pray to your Father in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Prayer has some private moments to it. To where we get alone with God. Then he says in verse 7, When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Prayer is to be personal. We are to get real with God. Someone asked me before service, you okay? First time they asked me, I said, yeah, I'm good. Second time they asked me, I said, no, I'm not. I'm a little anxious. Heart for the house days, I don't know. I always get anxious sometimes for some reason. So they prayed for me. And I appreciate that, but I had to get personal in order to get the help I needed, right? And he goes on in verse 8, he says, Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And then he says, Pray like this, and what we call the Lord's Prayer. A pattern of praying. The prayer is private. Prayer has personal moments in it to get real with God. And prayer also leads us to pursue God. That we must get a hold of God. There are some times when we get alone and pray that we're not going to feel released to walk away until we know we have gotten a hold of God. We got God's attention. <clears throat> that we got His attention. That we mean what we pray. We're serious about what we pray. We get alone, we get real, and we get a hold of God in our prayers. But James, in chapter 5, teaches us that we're also called to pray for one another and with one another. Intercessory prayer 
remembering other people in prayer. Thinking of other people in prayer. I was telling a member earlier, right before church started, I said, man, the first three weeks of January, the prayer list got real big. Just kind of mushroomed. I want you to know we've been praying for you, church. We've been interceding for you. We've been bombarding heaven on your behalf. We've been thinking of you, been mindful of you. I want you to know you, can, you, you should never have to doubt, is anybody praying for me in this church? People are praying for you. More than myself, there are people praying for each one of us. And I just admonish us to continue in the spirit and the practice of praying, not only on our own for ourselves, but praying for other people. There was a strong Baptist family that decided to buy a home and to make everything in the house Baptist. I'm not knocking Baptist if you're from Baptist. So they were going to make it look and feel Baptist all the way through. And so they, when they were finished, they went to the pet shop because they wanted to look for a Baptist dog. First you thought I was serious, didn't you? They asked the owner, hey, do you have a Baptist dog? Surprised, the pet owner was like, I don't know. He thought about it for a minute. He goes, you know what? I think I do. I think I have a dog that will fit your description. So the owner brought the dog out to the family, and the father said, let's just see if this is a real Baptist dog. So the father said to the dog, you, go get a Bible. That dog ran off, grabbed a Bible off a table, came back, dropped it at the man's feet. Hmm, pretty impressed. The father thought, let's just see if this dog knows the books of the Bible. He said, turn to Psalm 23. That dog took its snout, opened the Bible up, flipped its pages with its paws right there in the middle of Psalm 23. Wow. Impressive that father was pleased. Okay, we're going to take him home. Let's do this thing. So the next day, the family had, had friends over, visitors over, and they showed them, their, their friends, their, this Baptist dog and showed it all the tricks that it could do. The friends were like, that's great, but can it do any tricks like normal dogs do? The Baptist father thought for a moment and said, hmm, I don't, I don't know. Let, let's, let, let's, treat, let's see, I've never tried. He ordered the dog, heal. Suddenly the dog jumped up on the father's lap, put his paw on its head and began to pray. The Baptist mom stopped everything and said, wait a minute, that dog's not Baptist, it's Pentecostal. I'm here every Sunday morning. (laughs) Prayer. It is sacred. But it's real. It's personal. God wants to hear from you, friends. God never forgets a name, never forgets a face. In fact, He never forgets prayers. He says He bottles all our tears into the bottle. He keeps track of them, and he hears every single one. And I don't know, I might have done it before, I don't recall, but I, I don't remember ever asking you to pray for me and my family. And, but this year I'm asking you, if I have before, then so be it, but I'm asking you to pray. No, nothing's going on that I, that I know of, but um, I'm asking you to pray for us. Been at this thing now 25 years. And there's some years where I feel the monotony, if you will. 
talking to a member this morning. He'd been at the same place for 32 years working. Another member's about to retire, working over 30 years this year. My dad worked at the same place for 30 years. Both my dads, one at 30 years, another one on my, uh, my stepdad, 30 years, my real dad for 40 years at a job. Longevity at the same place is good, and it's good. There's a lot of loyalty there, but, man, doing the same thing sometimes over and over again can, can, like, can weigh on you sometimes. But I don't want to ever lose my first love in what I'm doing and who I am and what God has called me to. To love Him first and foremost with everything within me. And to be as best as I can at what I'm doing. So pray for us. Pray for the prophetic words that God has spoken to you and over our church to come to pass. Pray for the people of New Life Church. Those sitting on your left and right and front behind you and those who couldn't be here today. Those who are serving right now, our, our young folks, our children. Pray for revival to happen at New Life Church. Come on, pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to just suddenly fall in this place. That we just can't get enough of the Lord. We can't get enough of His Word. We can't get enough of one another. That was happening in the New Testament Acts Church. They had the habit of prayer. Here's another one. They had the habit of the Word of God, studying the Scriptures, getting into the Scriptures. Look at what Psalm 40 says, God's Word. Part of God's will is that He does not want us to be stuck. Look at verse 1. David prayed and said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And He turned to me and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. And He set my feet on solid ground, and He steadied me, steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see what He has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. There's some of you who feel just like that, stuck in mud, stuck in miry clay. And you were wondering, am I ever going to get out of this that I am in? It feels like the more you try to move, the further you sink in. And I want to rest assured, I want to talk to you and tell you today, rest assured, God hears you. God sees you in your struggle and in your pain. And He will not leave you. Hope in Him. Wait in Him. Continue to pray to Him. His Word gives us this light of understanding that He does not want us to stay stuck. But He will come and set your feet on solid ground. Go on, His Word tells us this, that He wants His Word to be alive inside of our heart that it doesn't want it to just be a stale page filled with letters and sentences, but He wants this Word to spark in you, to come alive in you, to encourage you, to give you hope, to open your eyes to see that God is alive and God is not dead, that, man, there is so much ahead of you than there is behind you. Look at it in verse 7. He says, I I look, I have come as written about me in Scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, God, for your instructions are written on my heart. 
God's word written on my heart. Man, God's word alive in my heart. That when you think of God's word, it's not religious law and religious do's and religious don'ts, but it's full of life and what God wants to do inside of you and how his word will take shape and change you and shift you and do so much in your life. It gives you something to stand on, gives you something to anchor to, that when the storms blow, when the winds come, when the crap hits the fan, if I could say it that way, what are you going to do then? Who are you going to run to then? Run to God's word. It will never fail you. And then he goes on and he ends it with this. At the end of verse 17, he says, You are my helper and you are my savior. Oh God, do not delay. Do not delay. God doesn't want us stuck. He wants his word to be alive in us. And he wants us to know him as Lord, as helper, as deliverer, as savior, as rescuer. Because that's who he is. Research has shown that destructive habits go down and positive habits go up when we are in God's Word at least four times a week. How many days are in a week? Seven. Research shows just four days out of the week, positive habits go up. Here's some statistics. It says we're 59% less likely to view pornography when we're in God's Word four times a week. We're 74% less likely to gamble. We're 407% more likely to memorize the Scripture. 228% more likely to share our faith with somebody else. We're 231% more likely to take the time to disciple other people. We're 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Bitterness goes down by 43%. Anger down by 32%. Alcoholism down 42% or just some of the research by being in God's Word four times a week. I want to encourage you, if you are a new believer or a newer believer, or you are new to trying to start the habit of reading the Bible more consistently, I want to give you two tools. One, we have a thing called the first 30 days that we like to put in your hands. It's literally 30 days. It has scripture. It has prayer. It has a place for reflection for you to journal and write notes or what have you. But if you would like one of those, you see myself or James today, and we'll, we'll make sure we get you one. The other tool is this. It's connected right to what we all carry most of the time. The YouVersion Bible app. How many of you actually have this app? Let me just see. Lots of folks have it. Good. If you don't have it and you have a smartphone or, or some kind of a tablet, I want to I want to encourage you to get it, download it, um, go ahead and l- create an account, and then what it does. Not only does it have the Bible in so many different versions, but it has built into it daily reflections, daily Bible reading. Not only do they have what they call the verse of the day and some time of reflective prayer that's built in on the homepage, but you go in a little bit deep, a little bit deeper and you can set up your own devotions. They have countless devotions, countless topics, lots of themes. They even have it set up if you want to read the Bible through in a year or two years or however much time it takes. They have all that set up for you and it even comes with reminders. You set a reminder every day to remind you. 
I just want to to point those two tools out to you that you got to start somewhere, and I just want to encourage you, start. See us if you need more information on that. Habit number three. They had the habit of being in fellowship and worship. Look at Hebrews 10.25. It says this, the writer says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Everyone say encourage. Come on, everybody. Let's say encourage. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return, Christ's return, is drawing near. Encourage. We are called to encourage one another to actually come together in fellowship and worship. If another member of the church encourages you about coming to church and you get mad at them for encouraging you to come to church, especially now that the day of Christ's return is drawing near. I want to encourage you to make a habit of encouraging others to be in fellowship and worship together. That it is okay for you to call another church member and ask them, are you going to be at church? Are you going to come to this gathering? Are you going to come to this fellowship? Now, there's a nice way to do it. You don't have to be a butthole about it, okay? But you can speak the truth in love. You can speak the truth in love like I am doing today. And I hope I have a job next week. Let's remember it's part of our responsibility as believers to foster and cultivate fellowship and worship together. Think about somebody that you know you could call, you know you could see and encourage them. And that, in fact, I want to encourage you and challenge you for the next 10 weeks Research shows that it takes about 10 weeks, average of 66 days, to form a new habit and to break old habits. So the next 10 weeks to Easter, all right? Easter, 10 weeks away, roughly. I want to encourage you. Let's take the challenge to encourage, encourage, encourage other believers in this congregation. Don't go trying to steal somebody from another church. But we got plenty already in our church that we know are not here. Let's call on them. Let's encourage them. Let's encourage them. Let's encourage them for the next 10 weeks to Sundays, to our spring semester for Wednesdays that starts on February the 7th. You'll hear a little more about that. This early church realized and knew and took to heart They were a part of something that was greater than a club. It was not a clique. 
but it was a community of faith. And they took it serious. They had a habit of fellowship. Number four, talking about having habits for the heart to live unstuck this year. Prayer, the word, fellowship. They had the habit of serving. They had the habit of serving. Romans 12 teaches us that we all have gifts, that we are all called to use our gifts, and we are all called to serve with enthusiasm. Romans 12 verse 11 tells us, serve the Lord with enthusiasm. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a joy to serve. And he calls us, serve, use your gifts, but do so with enthusiasm. The ABCs of serving. A, if you don't know what your gifts are, ask the gift giver, God. Ask God, God, what's, what are my gifts? Begin to talk to him about that. I want you to tell me. I want you to show me. I want you to open my eyes to see what are my talents? What are my gifts? How can I use them? B, be available. Be available to serve. We have multiple ministry serve teams at New Life Church that we would encourage you to be available to serve in. C, complete a spiritual gift survey. We have that too. If you'd like one of those, just see myself or James. We'll get you one. You just answer some questions honestly up front, and then you tally it up, and it shows you what to do, and it shows you some of your top three or four stronger gifts that you may function in and operate in. God wants you to know. God wants you to be aware of who you are and how He's made you and how He's wired you. And He's got a place for you. Not only to attend, but he's got a place for you to participate in the kingdom life through the local church. They had the habit of serving. And the fifth habit that they practiced was the habit of giving. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us and tells us that where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. I like to live by and talk about this at different times by the acronym when it comes to giving, tithe and offering, living by the acronym HOT, H-O-T. H, honor the Lord. When I give, it reminds me everything I have is given to me by God. Oh, obey the Lord. Every time I give, it demonstrates that God has first place in my life, or at least that's what I really want him to have. Because sometimes, if we're real, there are tug-of-wars that go on. T, trust the Lord. Every time I give, it gives God the chance to prove that he exists, that he wants to bless, and that he wants to be my provider. And I cannot tell you, and you probably have, a lot of you have similar stories, how many times... God's math does not equate our math. God's economics does not equal the world's economics. It's amazing how God will cause things to work and how he will get provision and meet needs in ways that we can't really give an explanation to. But God, 
when we trust Him. And we like to tell people this, that if you've never really been consistent in the habit of giving your tithe and your offering, start somewhere. Remain consistent over time and gradually increase as God allows you to increase. Habits. Habits for the heart. Habits that help us as we walk through the door that God has opened will help us to live a year of not being stuck. And if we happen to get stuck, go back to the beginning. The habits. Double down. Recommit. Ask the Holy Spirit to freshen it up in your life through prayer, through the Scriptures, through being a part of the church on a regular basis in fellowship and worship, through serving, and certainly through giving. Give God time to show Himself to be faithful, and He will do it every time. He will do it every time. At Heart for the House, we like to highlight some things of the previous year. We're going to highlight our financials here in just a moment. From 23 to 24, we're going to highlight some ministry moments that took place last year and celebrate the Lord. Now, I want to to preface this with this, that when we look at numbers... When we look at financial numbers, I want you to see something more than the financial number. I want you to see that the financial numbers equal ministry. It equals people who are putting and making Christ the center of their life. It it equals the gospel being preached and taught. It equals the great commission being fulfilled right here and through our church. As a pastor friend of mine likes to say, from the neighborhoods to the nations. God's word is being declared and fulfilled. Our church is doing that. I know we're not the biggest, but we're, we're just, we're just going to keep on splashing. We're just going to keep on moving, and we're going to keep on living by the habits that God has in his word for us and let God do what he can do from there. Amen? You guys with me? So our board-approved numbers from 23 and 24, let's look at it. First slide, 2023 budget report. We basically break our budgets down into three categories, operations, missions, outreach, and savings. Operations includes the bulk of most everything that's ministry, facility, and personnel. Last year, we had budgeted 91.6% to go out. We actually expensed 87.6%. Our missions and outreach, we had budgeted 8.1%, and we actually spent and gave out 14.7%. Savings, we had budgeted 0.3%. We actually were a negative 2.5. Now, I want to help you loop you in on how that came to be. About halfway through the year, we realized we were going to have a a, a deficit of probably around 6%. And so we made some adjustments, practiced some good stewardship, and made some changes. As a result, you see that reflected in the operations number from 91.6 down to 87.6. If you look at the missions and you say, well, that was up over 6%, right? Absolutely. The additional 6% that was above the budget was due to the amount of money the church you all gave in special giving that was allocated for something else. So we don't keep that. The church does not maintain that and put that anywhere. We say we're taking a love offering up for a missions, for an outreach, for a help. It comes in, it goes out. 
And so that's Christmas blessing, other giving throughout the year to missionaries who were here, special guests, etc., etc. That's where all that went, okay? So we don't keep what we tell you is coming in for something. It literally does go out to there, okay? 24. We have a, a board approved budget of this operations, which is ministry, facility, personnel, projected like last year, 91.6, but we are our budget in 91.6, but we are projecting to only expense out now 89%. All right? Through the adjustments we made halfway through last year, we're carrying over into this year to practice. Missions and outreach 8.1 is budgeted. We expect through special giving and love offerings that come in to go out will be about 10%, maybe more, just depends. Savings, budgeting point three, we're projecting to at least save one. Our goal is to always save more and to always make sure we give out at least 10% uh, and beyond to those outside of our church, which we did last year. And that's a practice we want to try to keep living by. So that's 23. That's 24. And I want to remind you again, when you see numbers, when you see financial numbers, I know we don't give the dollar signs, we give the uh, percentage signs. We see, and I want you to tie, the, tie these dots together, connect these dots together, ministry, people, the gospel, the Great Commission. All right? That's what we're all about, Jesus at the center. Ministry highlights from last year. Check this out. Baptisms, 13 people were water baptized last year. Right here. Come on, 13. 13 followers of Christ. 13 people who said, I have decided to follow Jesus. We had three new households join our church last year. Three new households commit to our congregation. We saw a surge in our Wednesday night attendance and participation with our adult Bible studies, our New Life Kids Club, and our Glare students right here every Wednesday. We saw an increased participation in our women's and our men's gatherings throughout the year last year. Next slide. Our next gen uh, I mean, just powerful time last year. Our Glare Beach Camp, we saw 22 students plus leaders go. Kids Camp, 32 students plus leaders go and junior leaders. And in those, we saw salvations and rededications and commitments. People be getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Young people acknowledging God's call on their life. There were some at camp last year who recognized for the first time, God has a purpose for my life. And I'm going to live for it. I'm going to live for it. I'm going to go for it. And that's what took place last year. Moving on to the next slide, some of our missions and outreach partnerships. With Reach India, we participated in helping them through some church planting and Bible distribution. We're talking about people who do not have God's Word at all in their language. And our church helped sow a seed, financial seed, to help make that happen. Over 500 Bibles we helped get made. It's not cheap to get a Bible made and translated into a language that it doesn't exist in. It is not cheap. It is not cheap. And we were able to help do 500 of those. Part of our contribution. With Outpost of Freedom, our missions to the Native Americans, our development and their assistance... Uh, to their pastors and to their children's ministry. An area on the native uh, reservation where children are often neglected 
and overlooked. We, our church is helping in partnership to make children's ministry available through the curriculum happen 52 weeks out of the year so that those young people have a class, they have a teacher, they have supplies, they have a snack. All of those things that just kind of happen here for us, we are intentionally helping make happen there. Michael Turner with Red Rain, through his global evangelism ministry, he made a targeted effort over the last couple of years, two years, to the Ukraine churches to help make sure the church in Ukraine can sustain and be healthy to be a, 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 a lighthouse and a beacon of hope and literal help on the ground to countless thousands of people who have been injured, displaced due to the war. Through the Gideons, we made a contribution to Bible distribution right here in the United States. And our Christmas blessing offering at the end of the year, nearly $7,000 you guys gave. That's amazing. That's amazing. That we were able to bless, literally bless, families within our own congregation. We were able to bless First Love Missions in South Africa. They do a huge Christmas outreach to thousands of children in remote villages all over South America, South Africa, and we were able to help contribute to help make that happen. Again, to reach India, to the Dream Center. They just opened up, the Dream Center just opened up its official location in November on Oilwell Road. Years in the making. Celebrated 20 years last year, and they opened up their, first, their, their official first phase Right at 100 residents, they're able to house. And our church was able to make a financial donation into that campaign to see dreams restored in people's lives. We were able to bless our veterans in Madison County with gifts. I was given a short report on that by one of our members, Miss Marjorie. She said they loved opening gifts and seeing that they were thought of at Christmas. You just never know, folks. Outpost of Freedom again for Christmas. Madison Oaks students, young people in our own city who are displaced and away from home due to unfortunate events. We were able to give them Christmas gifts. Other families in our own community. Church, I say all this is possible because we serve a gracious God. We serve a gracious God. We serve a gracious God. We are a giving congregation. You're a giving congregation, and I say thank you to that. And thankful we have good leaders who help practice good stewardship to help make it happen. And I will say this, this is not in the notes, not on the slide, but it's a continual testimony to the goodness and graciousness of God as we continue to operate as a debt-free church. We continue to remain debt-free, and that's amazing, and I'm so thankful for that. And I want to tell you, my heart goes out to you. I appreciate you. Thank you every time we say, let's give a special offering to this or that. You all, you never hesitate. You never hesitate. And these are just some of the many things that took place last year, stories of lives changed in 2023, stories of lives who are making Jesus the center of their life. And for 2024, I want to invite you to stand. For 2024, I'm inviting you to take part in living a year that's unstuck. 
You're going to go through some things. You're going to hit some walls. You're going to hit some plateaus. But I want to admonish you, encourage you, don't stay there. Don't live stuck. Let's invest ourselves into these habits that the early church experienced and lived by. And you see the rest is history. The rest is history, literally. Lives were changed. History was made. People were never the same again. I want to invite you with me to walk through the open door that God has opened. And let's put into practice these habits. We have leaders available in our church to talk to, to pray with you, to encourage you. At any given time, you feel stuck. You can ask one of us to pray with you. You can let us know, remember me in prayer, and we will pray for you. And we will encourage you to keep moving forward. This song, Heart of Worship, we're going to sing it one final time this morning as we close. But I remember 20 years ago, I was, stand, I was in Angeles City, Philippines, at a church called Jesus Our Victory Worship Center. And I was in, the, in their church. Their church met upstairs above a pizza joint. You could smell the pizza coming through the vents. There was probably two or 300 believers in this room. And this song, they were, they were leading and, and singing this song. And I remember standing there. Coming back to the heart of worship. Church, their church wasn't real fancy. It had like plastic chairs that you would buy at the dollar store to sit in. That it's like if you sat down too hard, they would probably give way. But they were packed out in this second floor room above a pizza joint. And they were just worshiping their heart out to this song. I want to encourage you, church. 2024, the year of living unstuck. Walk through the door. Go for it. Go for it. Let God have his way in your life. Let him have his way in your life. And I promise you, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we come before you today and we thank you. We thank you, God, for your word, for your presence, for your people. We thank you for your provision and your protection. And Lord, as we're here today looking ahead into this new year, we're celebrating what you have done last year. And we're looking ahead to press into what you have for us this year. Help us to walk through the door and to strengthen up on our habits, habits that will lead to a life of living unstuck. Help us, O Lord. Draw near to us today by your presence. Fill us with your spirit, fresh and anew. Renew our first love for you and our heart of worship for you. In Jesus' name.